All right, I'm so happy about your caffeine addiction, I just can't even tell you. The, uh, we have a, I have a friend named John Arnold. He and his wife, Betty, currently attend our East Campus, and they are actually moving to Burkina Faso uh, in June of this year. And John was just there helping set up the wells that will be dug in 2012, and we have factored in some faith for how many wells we're going to be able to do based on your addiction. And so we're really excited about that. And, uh, and so have caffeine for all, and it does so many things uh, for people in West Africa who otherwise would not have access to clean water. So it's a great thing we, we all get to be a part of. So everybody doing good? Yeah. Feeling good? We're in a series called Stressmas. How many of you are feeling that right now? Uh, just how, how many of you are not done shopping? Not done shopping. Okay. All right. You guys are doing better than the first service crowd who, like, nobody had shopped. And, uh, and so I'm guessing that's why you're here for the second service. Maybe you got a little done this morning. I'm not sure. Um, but you know what? The world offers us so much at this time of year. There's so much clutter. There's so much going on. There's, there's, there's so much that comes from the outside to try to take away from the season. And there's so much stress. But God offers us something way Different, And we want to continue to focus on what those things are. So turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, if you would. Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet says this. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Over the last couple of weeks, we have looked at wonderful counselor. We have looked at what it means that he would be a mighty God. And today we want to focus our efforts on everlasting father. And then over Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about this prince of peace. What a strange kind of combination of words to put upon a coming Messiah, a coming king. This idea of, of a, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, I can get, I can get with that. I mean, that sounds, that sounds powerful, that sounds strong, but to give this kind of promise to a nation to say he's going to be an everlasting father just comes across a little bit odd. And today I want to unpack a little bit just what exactly that means. And for me, I can really only associate with this in a couple of different ways. And, and one is the fact that, as you know, I'm, I'm a dad myself. I have two boys, uh, Will Franklin, who is nine, and John Wesley, who is six. And um, they are incredible kids. They, uh, my oldest looks just like me. He's a great looking kid. My second child is a just a bulldog. I mean, he's just coming after you with everything he's got. He takes no prisoners. And, you know, the other day I was, I, I was inside my house. I, I love being out and kind of being able to watch them and, and watch them play and, and, and watch what they do because when I'm not out there, bad things tend to happen. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting in my house in the living room and, and watching something on TV or on a computer, whatever I'm doing, and, and I'm starting hearing things hit the roof and hit the back of the house. And... I'm thinking, is Santa here early? You know, what's going on? I mean, there's, it's, there's, a loud, there's some loud thuds going on. So I go to the back, and my boys have taken their... Kids, don't try this at home. My boys have taken their wiffle ball bats and rocks, and they are throwing the rocks up to see... They are actually aiming for the back of the house to see if they can hit the back of the house. And there's a neighbor kid over there, and I'm sure this was his idea because my kids would never do this kind of thing, or they're taking after their mother in this moment, whatever it is. And, the, uh, and first of all, I walk out there and I'm thinking, if you can't hit the back of the house, as a dad, I'm a little embarrassed. So good for you if you're hitting it, but there's windows back here. And so guys, please put the, this, this is what happens 
when you're a father of boys and you're inside and, and they're outside. There have been rivers of mud that have flown like milk and honey in places in my yard that there's not supposed to be mud. There used to be grass there and it was kind of nice. And, but this, these kinds of things happen. So I enjoy being outside with my kids. I enjoy throwing the football around. I enjoy like throwing the rocks to them so they can actually, no, throwing the ball to them so they can hit it themselves. And, and, uh, and one of the things I really enjoy is I enjoy being on the front porch with my guys and uh, me just relaxing while they play in the yard and I can see them. And if I can't see them, you know, the front porch is not that big. I can get up and look around the corner and make sure they're not inflicting any damage on any of my property or, you know, all that kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I enjoy that. And one of the things I really love is just to sit down and, and make a little drink on the, on the front porch. Now, I got to tell you something. The first service had no idea what I was making. I took for granted that you all knew what an Arnold Palmer was. Okay? Um, yes, thank you for clapping for that. That's good. The... Um, there were a lot of people, first service, that were very concerned at, at some point. This is lemonade and this is tea, people, okay? Now, in my house, this is an adult beverage. This is a mixed drink. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one. And see, I made that joke first service without telling them what it was. And um, I think people thought I was having shots of something up here. But, um, of course, I wouldn't do that in front of you, obviously. Or behind your back or anything else. Here the rumors are going to start flying. What does he drink? Let's just leave it at this for now, shall we? Adult beverages in my house are sweet tea, lemonade, and Diet Dr. Pepper, just so you know. And, and so the, uh, amen. The, so I love just sitting on the front porch and just having a little taste, you know? Anybody thirsty? I'm sorry the coffee bar's closed. The, uh, nothing I could do about it. Um, my boys like to ride their bikes. And the issue when they ride their bikes is from my front porch, I can't see them where they're going all, all the way. And so now the nine-year-old, he's, he's a speed demon. He does his thing. He is well-trained. He's well-equipped. He, he goes on his little Raleigh bike, and he takes off down the street. And there's a cul-de-sac down the street, and, and we know the family's down there. And we just say, yeah, you can, you can go down there and ride and, and come right back. And he's never really gone that long, and he, he just goes back and forth. Well, on this particular day, my six-year-old, who has just really gotten to the point of being able to ride his two-wheeler, ha- has asked me if he can go with his big brother down the street. And I, okay, sure, fine. Uh, I'd say to my son, Will, who's the oldest, I'd say, would you please watch your brother and, and take him down with you? And I don't know if you have boys, but th- this is how this works. So, yes, sir. Okay, daddy. And then the nine-year-old takes off like 100 yards past the six-year-old. And I'm watching my son, Wesley, go down the street, and he's got his helmet on, and he's doing great. And then, like I said, normally they're back a little quicker. Well, five minutes goes by. Ten minutes goes by. In 15 minutes, here comes my son, Wesley, and this street across from us has a little bit of hill to it. And so he's not riding his bike. He's walking his bike. And then his brother does what older brothers do. He once again goes flying past him just to make it back to the house first. It gave him a head start. Now he's flying past him again. And I watch my son, Wesley, try to get up on his bike and start riding again to try to catch up to his brother. And what happens? He falls right over. He hits the curb and he just face plants right down. I mean, it was, it was hard to watch. And the helmet kind of blocked so he didn't get too much road rash on his face, but he just, he just went down hard. And as a dad on the front porch 
with my mixed drink. Instantly, I throw this down and I get up off the porch and I go running to him. Because, you know, I had given him that moment of, of stretching his wings a little bit. I had given him that moment of, of going down the street, of, of being with his brother. But here I am on the porch, and as he's coming back to me, I can see that he has fallen down, that he is hurting. And as a dad, I want to run to him. For me, that's part of what it means to be a father. But what does it mean in Isaiah? What does it mean as a prophet speaking to a people to say that the promised Messiah Jesus would be called Father, everlasting Father. Now, to be a father of something in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the world of the Old Testament, meant that you were the owner of something. So if you were referred to as the father of strength, or the father of knowledge, or, or the father of, of kindness, it would be that, that you were the owner of those things, that that was the thing that you were known for the most. And here in this passage, Jesus is called the everlasting Father. The translation in Hebrew would literally read, the Father of eternity. The promised Messiah, Jesus, would hold eternity in his hands. God is saying this, I'm not just going to send some other earthly king. I'm not just going to send someone who's, who's ruling and reigning for just a little while, and then ultimately they go away. But I am going to send a Messiah and his kingdom would last forever. Now, there's only a couple ways I said earlier that I can relate to this everlasting father, either thinking of myself and my boys or, or really thinking of my own dad. And, and for many of us, that's where we go. When we hear of God the Father, we think about how we associated with our dads when we were little. We, we think about what kind of dads they were and we, we tend to almost automatically put that on to God. So just think for a moment, what was, what was it about your dad? What were the things that your dad poured into you? What are the things that you love now because of your dad? For, for me, my dad used to take me to sporting events all the time. He worked at the local university and we would go up and we would go to basketball games. We would go to football games. And my dad used to love going up and, and playing pickup basketball with the, with the athletes on, on different nights of the week. And one little Atlanta folklore thing is that at this local university, there was a guy by the name of Sid Bream. If you're an Atlanta Braves fan, you know where you were when, when Sid slid. Well, Sid would be in there, but he was not allowed to play basketball because the coaches didn't want him turning his ankle or whatever. So Sid was kind of my babysitter because when I was six, seven, and eight years old, I'd be, I'd be shooting hoops on the side with, with, with him because he wasn't allowed to go play with the big boys. I'm not sure how he felt about that, but he, just, he was just playing with me. And all I knew was this big dopey guy with a mustache. And, he's, and, he, and I think he still kind of carries that on. But the, that's, that for me, that was it. I love being around sports. My dad would have these athletes come to the house after, after their games. And, and to me, these guys were, were heroes. They were, they were legends. They were celebrities. And so I love being around them. My dad also has a, a love of hats. Now, my wife has limited this quite a bit, okay? I'm not allowed to wear too many hats. I think he, too many hats. I think my dad loves them because he's covering up this cul-de-sac on the top of his head. And, uh, and that's cool. And so the driver's cab, he's got, he's got hats of, of every kind. And, and that's, just, that's just it. I also remember sweaters. Now, I don't know if there are like dad sweaters around your house, okay? I was born in the 70s and, and raised in, in the 80s. So sweaters, I, I think of Bill Cosby's character, Cliff Huxtable, all right? And, and I think my dad got his love of sweaters somewhat from that because that's what I remember in my house. 
I remember the hats. I remember the sports. I remember the sweaters. I, I remember all of those things. I remember all the fun that came with those, those, those happy moments, those positive memories. But I know that for many of you, when you think of dad, your mind doesn't go there, does it? For many of you, I know it's a little bit more difficult to think of all the, the positive things that your dad invested in you. And I know that your picture of God has been shaped by that. For, for many of you, your dad was really, really strict. Really strict. The words, wait till your father gets home, were, were, were kind of a scary thing for you. And for many of you, because of that, you, you associate God as, as this being in, in the heavens who's just kind of waiting for you to mess up, who's just, who's just waiting to punish you, if you if, if, for whatever it is that you've done wrong. For others of you, and, and this is something that all of us, I think, as guys have to work on at different points, but for others of you, your dad didn't express very much emotion. So the idea of, of God being a father who's kind and who's gentle and, and, and who's caring just, just isn't a part of it for you. For some of you, you think of your dad, you think of someone who was missing in action. Maybe he was just overworked and, and overwhelmed, and so he was completely detached. And maybe there was a period of your life where you needed the, the counsel of, of a father, and, and your dad was so stressed out that he couldn't provide that to you, and so you turned to others to, to fill the void. And you can't imagine a God who wants to be close to you. Some of you have been abandoned by a dad. Some of you, you think of your childhood, you think of a guy that, that left and left you and your mom and left you and your, your siblings and the idea of a father God who wants to be with you, who wants to be closer than your very breath is, is difficult for you to comprehend. And, and I know that there are some. I know that there are some who even, there are even worse images of you and your dad. I know that there are some that have been physically or, or, or verbally abused and and even if that wasn't the case, just being around your dad, you just, being around him, you felt like you were being beat up, whether or not you actually were being that or not. See, the promise of God sending a Messiah who would be a father to many people doesn't sound that great. But hear this. Jesus would show us a different kind of father. Throughout the scriptures, the idea of God as a father permeates the pages. So what kind of father does God promise to be? What kind of picture is painted in the scriptures? Let me give you just a few of the attributes this morning that you can count on. There's so many. I just want to give you four. The first thing is that God would be a loving father, a loving father. Psalm 103 verse 13 says this, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. An even better word for fear, a couple of choices there at the end of that would be worship or respect. God has compassion on those who worship him. And the message paraphrase, Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says, as a parent feels for their children, God feels for those who worship him. My son, Will, takes taekwondo and and he, and my, my youngest one does too, but I, I remember when Will was, was doing a, a belt test not too long ago, and, and he had done phenomenally. He had done his form the correct way. He had, he had broken a board with his hand. He'd broken a board with his foot, and, and they had this, he'd done all these incredible things, and he had really just, he had really just raised his game. And then you kind of get to this moment where right before he's going to be given the belt, the instructor, Mr. Hicks, is going to ask them some questions to just make sure they've got good ownership of, of what they've been doing. And, and, and Jared, the instructor, was, was asking my son, he, he said, Will, why should I give you 
the next belt? Why should you be rewarded and able to move up another level? And my son, who had done everything perfectly that day, went absolutely stone-cold silent. He kind of would mumble a, I don't know. He's sitting in this perfect stance that they give him. He's, he's on his knees. And, and, and suddenly this confidence that came from doing his form right and from like breaking boards and, and just, I'm, as a dad, I'm proud. I'm like, my son will hurt you. This is awesome. I've got like a little bodyguard now. This is so good. And, and all of these things. And now all of a sudden his shoulders are slumped. And I don't know. And the instructor is kind of, kind of smiling. We'll, 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 we'll take care of it. He asked him again, Will! Why should I reward you with the next belt? Why should I promote you today? I, I don't know. This went on for like 10 minutes. And every time he would say, I don't know, like every other parent would groan. Ugh. I'm going, listen, I will take you all out right now, all right? <laughs> but for my son, my heart has gone out to him feeling for him. I'm rooting for him. I'm wondering what's going through his little mind. He was just so great. Why isn't he answering that way? Is there something that I need to do differently as a dad to let him know how awesome he is? My heart has gone out to him. And he finally answered the question. He finally said something to the effect of, because if you don't, I will hurt you. No, he didn't. Because I did my form the right way. Because I've, I've learned everything I'm supposed to for this, for this level. He finally, whatever it was he said, he finally got it. And there was just this relief. My heart had been so tied to him. I wanted to go over to the mat and say, listen, here's what you say. Okay, here's what he's, he's not trying to trip you up. Just say it like this. I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do that for him, but my heart was there. And God's saying, listen, I love you like that. I know when you're hurting and I can't take it all away, but I feel for you. I feel with you. I want to be there with you. I want you just to, to lean on me, to just count on me, to just trust me. I'm not distant. I'm not far off. I haven't abandoned you. I love you. And I'm right here. And you've got what it takes. That's what it means to have a loving father. Another thing that we learn from the scriptures is that he's a guiding father. A guiding father. Psalm 48 says, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Isaiah 48, God says, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way that you should go. You see, as a guiding father, not only does God want to be our spiritual leader, but he is someone who can give direction to every area of your life, if you'll listen to his words. If you'll spend time in the scriptures, if you'll learn more of him, if you'll learn how it is that he wants you to live, his words will be a light to your path. He will never steer you wrong. He will never take you down a path that will harm you. He may take you down and most certainly will take you down some very difficult paths. But the scriptures say that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. We have a guiding father whose words want, he wants to light our path and he wants to take us by the arm and he wants to walk with us and he wants to bring us along every step of the way. He's a loving father. He's a guiding father. He's a protecting father. Zechariah chapter three says, the Lord your God is with you. 
the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Psalm 91 says it this way. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. God says, listen, no matter what you're going through, I can protect you. I can make sure that this thing only takes it so far, but that you will come through. I'll be your protector. I'll be the one to guide you. I love you. And the last thing I want us to see, and there's so much more, but the last attribute I want us to see is that our God is a permanent father. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse three says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Jesus would be able to be known as the everlasting father because he will never stop being father to those who follow him. Listen, there would be nothing more devastating than a dead Christ. But that's not who we are today. That's not who we follow today. We serve a risen Savior who once was dead, but today is risen again. He is not like some distant deity who is only concerned about their own supremacy, who is only concerned about their own hierarchy, about he is so close. He wants to be so personal. And he is permanent because his son, Jesus, has risen from the dead today. Our God is different. He is everlasting. He's everlasting and he desires to hold his people in the palm of his hands and to love them eternally. Jesus would say it this way in John chapter 10. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. The coming Messiah would carry with him all of these attributes of being loving, guiding, protecting, permanent, and so much more so that we would understand the Father more and to help us know that we can trust him with our lives and with our eternity. So how do we respond to a God like this? A different kind of father. Different than what any of us have ever experienced, whether you feel like you had a great dad or whether you feel like you had a lousy dad, whatever you do, this, this is different. God offers us so much more in himself how do we respond? This week, my son, Will, had a nightmare. If, he, if they were here this morning, I, I wouldn't tell this story because you're not supposed to tell them when they have nightmares. You just let them have it and, and, you know, I mean, let them have their nightmares and then go on about your business. I don't know what it is, um, but they never wake up their mother. Um, I wish they would, just at least every other time, you know, just even it out a little bit. They wake me up. So on this particular night, earlier this week, I had just, just fallen asleep. I mean, maybe an hour. And you know, after you've just been asleep that long, you're just starting to get to your happy place. And he comes and he shakes my shoulder. Dad, I had a bad dream. Okay, good for you. Um, it's over now. You're awake, so you're not having it now. Um, See, so you can be rude to him in the middle of the night. They don't remember it. It's kind of fun. The, uh, no, not really. Come on. I said, are you okay, buddy? Yeah. And in my mind, I'm going, so why did you wake me up to tell me this? Um, okay, go back to bed. 
And I lay my head down again very quickly on my way back to my happy place. I'm hearing his feet going up the stairs. And there's just kind of one thing he can say at this point now to get me up. You see, I don't know what it is about the middle of the night, but turning from the stairs, turning that corner into his room is scarier in the middle of the night. It's darker. And so he gets to the top of the stairs and I hear the one thing that'll get me up. Daddy? And there's this little whimper in his voice, this little bit of fear in his voice. Daddy? I mean, I'm fast. I'm scary fast in the middle of the night when I hear this. And I go and I scoop him up. I carry him back to his bed. I lay him down. Kiss him on the forehead. Say, don't you ever wake me up again. (laughs) Kiss him on the forehead. Say one more prayer. Tuck him in. I'll see you in the morning. That is how we are allowed to come to God the Father. Romans 8, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. It's another way of saying, Daddy. The Apostle Paul gives us permission to come to God. You say, Daddy... I need you. Daddy, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this week. Daddy, I, I, I'm overwhelmed right now. Daddy, it's, it's, a, it's a rough time of year. Daddy, I don't know if I can make it. Daddy, it's scary out here. And that's okay. That's exactly how we are allowed to come to him. You may be sitting here thinking, okay, I get it. The image of of God the Father is a, is a nice thing. It's a nice Christmas deal. And any dad can be loving, caring, guiding, protecting to good children. But some of you are thinking, that's not my story. I'm not the good son. I'm not the good daughter. Like the lady that stopped me in the gym this week, who's just recently started coming to one of our campuses, just started coming to our church. And she's been so fired up. Every time I come to the gym, she talks about last week's message, and, and, and she introduces me as her pastor to other people. And, and I, you know, I was trying to keep the whole pastor thing in the gym on, on the down low, you know, because I just, I wanted to kind of be incognito in there and, and, and be a proud Christ follower. But when people see pastor coming, their words change. And, and it's just, you know, I just wanted just to be there and be around folks. And have influence that way just as a Christ follower, but she outed me. And I've noticed the last couple weeks that, you know, she hasn't been doing that. She hasn't asked me about any messages. And so I, I approached her this week and, and I said, hey, I said, are you doing okay? I, I haven't seen you at church. And she said, oh, I, I haven't been to church. She said, I'm not worthy of coming to church right now. She said, I, I, I don't deserve grace right now. I, I, don't, I don't know what that means for her. I didn't, I didn't ask. And obviously with the male and female thing, I, I, I'm needing a, a female from the church to come alongside in there. Would you please pray with her and talk with her? And I just, I, I wanted to dive in, but I, 
tried to give her some words of encouragement. I know some of you are, are sitting here today and, and you're thinking, listen, you don't know my story. I, I'm hurting. I've got this addiction I can't shake. You don't know where I was last night. I mean, I, I've, got, I've got so much going on inside of me. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm depressed. And I just don't feel worthy of God's grace. I don't deserve God's grace. And I say to you the exact same thing I said to my friend earlier this week. That's just not the case. God extends his grace to everyone while we are still sinners. Christ died for us. God loves you. And this truth of him being this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father and prince of peace is as true for you as anybody else, no matter where you're coming from today. God extends that to you. He wants to be an everlasting father for you. There's a, there's a story in Luke 15 where Jesus addresses this issue of father just a little bit. He's told a couple of other stories and he tells a story of a man who has two sons. The oldest son is very um, loyal. He's, whatever dad wants, he'll do it. He's always been that way. Youngest son's a little different. He's pretty indifferent to dad. Uh, really, all he wants out of dad is money. And he makes that known to his father one particular day. He actually comes up to his dad and says, listen, I wish you were dead. I just want my inheritance. And if you will just give it to me, then I'll get out of your hair and you'll be out of mine. And for some reason, the dad goes along with it. I, as a father, I don't understand it. But Jesus is telling the story and he can tell it however he wants. And so the son gets the money and the scriptures say he goes off. And he's partying. I mean, not only is he partying, the, the parties all revolve around him because he's funding them. And people love him for it. I mean, when we bring up mixed drinks, it's a whole different ballgame. It's certainly not sweet tea and lemonade. It may have started off that way, but it didn't end that way. And he begins to run out of money. And his friends start leaving. He ends up with no means whatsoever. He hasn't got a job. He's been too busy partying to have a job. And he goes to work among pigs, feeding them, taking care of them. Now, <laughs> Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience about a Jewish boy. To go working around pigs is not a very good thing. It's a lot worse than what you're thinking. This is as bad as it gets. And this young man has this thought, maybe I can just go home and work for dad. Because the slaves back home have got it way better than I do now. And so he swallows his pride and he begins the walk back home. And Jesus tends to paint this picture of a father who's been carrying on the house, things have been you know, still moving without the son, but at the same time, the father has kind of had his eyes out on the lookout. 
And can you imagine the day with a dad on the front porch keeping things clean, keeping things picked up and here comes his son up the road. And in his life, he has fallen over. He has face planted so many times. But when his dad sees him coming, though he's been disrespected, though he's been rebelled against in the worst possible sense, what do the scriptures say? The dad jumps up and he runs to scoop up his son. That is what it means to have an everlasting father. He never gives up on you. He never quits on you. And if you will but turn to him, he will run to where you are no matter how bad your circumstances have gotten. And he will scoop you up and be the dad that you've always wanted and never even been able to dream of. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He felt for him. He ran to his sons, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Let's pray together. Jesus was God's son, but he painted an incredible picture of God the Father. And I want you to know today that wherever you are, whatever your circumstances may be, that God loves you with an everlasting love. He has extended an offer to you to be an everlasting father and also a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, and a prince of peace. And today, in the middle of this stressful time of year, I want to invite all of you who are Christ followers Take a deep breath in your heart there, in your chair. Free yourself up enough to call him daddy. And just tell him what's going on. Maybe you fill in a prayer this way. Daddy, I need your help right now because of this. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Jesus was sent into the world to be an image of the Father. He died on the cross for your sins. And he's risen from the dead to be a permanent Savior, providing eternity to all of us. And right now in your heart, you can just pray, God, I thank you for sending Jesus for me. And I want to give you my life right now. I want to put my faith and and trust in you and in your son, Jesus. And I believe that his death was for my sins and that his resurrection was for my eternity. I accept that right now. God, teach me to walk with you day by day. Teach me to go further from this moment and I will trust you. If you prayed anything close to that in your heart, in your own words, would, would you please, would you go to our help desk this morning out in, out in the lobby space there right next to the exit doors And please let someone know that you prayed that. We want to help you get started right. We want to help you know what it means to have Jesus as your Savior and your everlasting Father. God, come before you now and ask Holy Spirit that you do what only you can do, that you communicate to each of us where we are, 
Lord, for every person in this room, the idea of you being an everlasting father brings up whole different emotions, whole different thoughts. But the Spirit of God is big enough for that. So God, would you teach us to receive you as Father every single day? May it give us purpose. May it give us perspective and help us to give this season the right priority. God, teach us to do away with stressmas and help us every day to focus on what this life and this season is all about. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have just an awesome week. We will see you Christmas Eve. Get your tickets. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you.